You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Okay, let's keep going down the line here. And the few minutes that we have together, go ahead and open up your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter 8. And we've been talking through the vision over the last month and a half now. And I want to go back to something the Lord just began to stir my heart on. In John 8, a very familiar passage, it's, it's, I would go as far as to say it's a cornerstone passage for this particular church. John 8, 32 and 36. Where Jesus makes is in, the, is in the context of this is a conversation that Jesus is having with some half-hearted Jewish folk. Meaning this, they want to believe, but they're like skeptical believers, alright? So they're kind of on the fence, they're fence riders. And Jesus is having this conversation, of course... These two passages we probably have heard before, but John 8.32 says this. It says, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free, will make you free. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He goes on later and says this in in, uh, John 8.36. He says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And here is what we're going to talk about this morning is the idea of walking in the truth. You know, we live in a time where uh, there is an abundance of uh, fake news, right? Like, I mean, if you get your news from Facebook, shame on you, all right? I got to be real honest with you because the statistics of how much news on Facebook is fake is astonishing. It's alarming. I mean, it's amazing that even major news media sources are coming out and they're getting just automatically rapid fire debunked because they're just propagating false news. And so we're in this struggle, in this, this, uh, this place where we're contending for what is true. And we see Jesus make this epic, huge statement. He says, listen, I am the truth. He, he refers to himself. He said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. John 8, 36, if the Son, the truth, makes you free, you will be free indeed. And so Jesus makes his bold declaration about truth. And I want to talk to you this morning about this idea of truth, because if Jesus has called us to truth, we need to understand what this truth is and what this truth does, and then how we begin to walk in this truth. If I were to ask a question, I would get this question to every one of you. I'd get a dozen or so, or maybe 25, 30, 50 different answers to it. If I were to simply say, why do you believe Jesus is the truth? I would get a bunch of different answers. Well, because He's God. Because He he said it. Because He came and did miraculous works. Because He died. Because He rose again. We would have all these things that... We would say, and none of them would necessarily be wrong, but the reality is that Jesus is being very specific here as it pertains to the idea of truth and pointing us to a very specific thing on why we can trust and how we can walk in His truth and why His truth has the ability to truly make us free. Let's look at this conversation really quick. In John 8, we'll read 31 through 36. He says, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus said, replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. 
Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. And this is not the end of this conversation. It extends all the way down to the end of John 8. And it goes back and forth between these Jews who were on the fence and Jesus. And they're going back and forth and they're arguing. The Jews are saying, listen, we are sons of Abraham. We have got some kind of right to this. How dare you call us a people who are slaves? And Jesus says, you're not sons of Abraham. If you were sons of Abraham, you'd act a certain way. And then they go on and say, well, how dare you say that we're slaves? We've never been slaves to anybody. And Jesus says, you're slaves to sin. And they go, whoa, 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 we are sons of God. How dare you say we're slaves to sin? He said, you don't even know God because if you knew God, you would know me and you would love me. But you're like your father, the devil. Woo! Jesus dropped the mic and walked off. Now, here's the thing. As a dad of four beautiful, wonderful, I mean amazing, strong girls, I get this conversation. Because Jesus is going back and forth. And the entirety of the pursuit is not Jesus being mean to these guys. He's not trying to like bend them over his knee and go, you dirty dogs, this is who you are, blah, blah, blah. He's not doing that. He's bringing them into the revelation of truth. And it's based on who he is. In my house, we have truth problems. And my truth problems look like this. Is that with four girls who are relative in size to each other, there is always a clothing burglar in my house. And so inevitably, I will have, like, I hear it coming before I actually see it. I will hear it from upstairs, and it will be in a screech, a scream, a yell, a threat. threat. I'm going to knock you out. <laughs> you know, I've heard that one before. I'm going to punch you in your throat. <laughs> yeah, you girls, you know what I'm talking about. Y'all are mean. And so, and so I'll be like, hey, 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 hey. I got to do the dad voice, like just kind of like, peace, come into the judge's chambers and let's solve this problem, all right? And so they'll come into my room, I'll say, what's going on? And they'll each present their case. And immediately, I will start to pass judgment after the first one talks, thinking that I've found the culprit and I know what's going on. And then the next person presents their case and it sounds equally compelling. And then I'm equally confused. And I go, wait a minute. Did your mom write initials on it? And they're like, yeah, but we all share initials. <laughs> you know, it's like, ah, no, there's no, you know, there's no ownership to it. And you go back and forth in pursuit of what's true until finally you figure out and you got to go to the very source. And oftentimes that's Kim. <laughs> Who did you buy this for? That's Anna's. <laughs> okay, none of you touch it, right? That's hers. You got to ask first. This is what Jesus is actually doing here. He is not trying to beat these people up. He's not trying to belittle them. He's not trying to tell them that they have no stake in the game. But he's trying to tell them the source, the principle by which we all have stake in the game by which we all become sons and daughters of God, and that's through the truth of Jesus Christ alone. So Jesus says this, and what I want to do is I want to take a look at this word truth with you for just a second because this is a big word. What this word truth means when we read it in John 8 is the truth about the gospel. The truth about the gospel 
Now let me divorce your thinking from the word gospel, from your time growing up and hearing that word a lot. Let me tell you what the gospel is, what it means in the New Testament terms, what it means concerning Jesus. It's very simple. It means this, that Jesus Christ is the gospel. You should write that down somewhere. You need to understand it, and you need to get it in, your, in, the, in the realm of your thinking and your understanding. It's simple. Why? Because when you understand Jesus Christ is the gospel, then you understand the intent of what the gospel has come to do. The gospel is the good news. Why is it the good news? Why is Jesus Christ the good news? Because Jesus Christ came to bring freedom to men. And so through the life of Jesus, we see the freedom, the good news. That is the gospel. Jesus Christ is the gospel. When Jesus was saying that you will know the truth, what he was pointing them to is not the truth of what they thought they had inherited. It wasn't a relative truth. It wasn't a truth based upon what they thought was relative to themselves. Look, if they're in it, then I'm in it. If Bob's got it down, if Bob's a good guy, then I'm a good guy because I do what Bob does, right? Have you ever heard that before? I've told this story of a bunch in this church, I believe. But in high school, I had a best friend. And he knew that I was a Christian and he knew what my family did. And I was always afraid to tell him about Jesus. Because I cared more about my reputation, about what he thought, than the truth of bringing this guy and telling this guy about the one who could set him free. His name is Brian. And one day Brian looked at me and said, Andy, you're a Christian, right? I said, yeah. He said, you're going to heaven, right? I said, yeah. He said, well, if you're going to go and you're a Christian and we act the same, then I guess I'm good too. And immediately the conviction filled my heart, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't say anything. It felt like my mouth was heavy and closed, but I knew the Holy Spirit was speaking to me because this is exactly what these Jews were doing. They were trying to say, they were looking around each other, and they were trying to get agreement between themselves and say, hey, we're sons of Abraham, right? You're a son of Abraham. Isn't that what your dad said? Isn't that what we grew up believing? We're all sons of Abraham, and we all do the same thing. So how can this guy call us unrighteous? How can this guy call us somebody who's bound to sin? But see, truth, according to Jesus, is not relative. Truth, according to Jesus, is not inherited. It's not based on how often you go to church or the fact that your parents have always gone to church or that you have a membership here. And it's kind of funny that we, we don't really do membership here. Uh, some of you all just went, what? I'm not a member? No, you're part of the family. But you know what makes you part of the family? You come. And good, hey, good news, you guys are all here today, so you're in the family. You come, and you love, and you serve, and that's the intent of it. But here these guys said, listen, hey, we're, we're members because this is, this is passed down to us. This is, this is something that we've inherited. They said, hey, we do good works, and Jesus said, no, that's not what truth is. The truth is this, is that it comes through me. It comes through the fact that there was and is a chasm between God and man, and that chasm is formed by sin. But the good news, the gospel is, is that Jesus was saying the truth is that I am the one who overcomes that chasm. I am the one who stands in that place. But here's something a little bit deeper about this word truth that's amazing, is that when you go back and you look at the primitive meaning of this word, the origin of this word, in the Bible, you see two things about this. There's two distinct words that make up the word truth. 
that are extremely powerful. powerful. The first is this, the word alpha, which we know, or we, we, which, what, the, what scholars tell us is this, is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. It's the first letter of the Greek alphabet and the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. But it means something special. It means something that Jesus actually spoke of Himself, saying that He is the beginning and the end. And so when you look at the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, it is not just the first letter, but it means this. It is actually a symbol of who God is. That God is the beginning and the end. And Jesus declared of Himself, I am the beginning and the end. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. And the second word that puts this word truth together is this. It means that which is hidden. And this is the supernatural meaning of Jesus Christ that sets men free. Is that why Jesus is the truth and why when we trust in Jesus we are able to be completely free is because only Jesus is able to take us back to the very beginning and reset every area of our life and make us new. And for a time, Jesus Christ was hidden. He was hidden in time. It was not because God was hiding Himself from man, but the Scripture tells us at the appointed time, Jesus Christ revealed Himself to man so that the truth could make men free. And this truth brings us back to the very heart of God that speaks of love and that speaks of grace and speaks of redemption that sets every man free. I tell you what, that fires me up. Because here's the thing that we all face, isn't it, friends? That when we think about getting free from the mistakes of our life, we go back and what do we wrestle with in our thinking? If I only didn't do this one thing, if I only didn't make this mistake, if I could only go back to this place and do it over again. And that seems to be the break in our freedom So often, but what Jesus was saying to the Jews that day and what he is saying to us is the reason why he is the truth is because only Jesus was at the beginning and can take us back to the beginning and reset and redeem the original context of who you were created before God to be. And if you need help understanding that, just quickly think to creation. And understand how God created man. Was God mad at Adam and Eve when He created them? The answer is no. Did God create Adam and Eve to make them slaves? The answer is no. Did God create Adam and Eve and hide Himself from them? The answer is no. No, God created Adam and Eve out of His pleasure because He wanted communion and He wanted fellowship and He wanted to give in His inheritance to them and He wanted to bless them and He wanted to walk with them hand in hand and He wanted them to know Him and He wanted to know them. And that's original context for you. And so when Jesus says He's the truth, 
He says, only can I put you back to the place where not only you can be free from the shackles of your mistakes and the shame and the condemnation and the weightiness of sin that has struck you throughout your life, but I also can restore the heart of God to you so that you can understand and know what it is to walk in the pleasure of the Father. How many of you would delight in the truth of knowing that your mistakes can no longer haunt you, that they no longer could be something that hung over your head as a threat, as a terror, but in Jesus Christ, He gives the ability to set men free. How does this happen? How does the truth of Jesus set us free? It's simple. He restores us. He restores us. I said it already, but He restores our position to where God intended for it to be close to him it's amazing to me that some people some churches some some ministers get up on soapboxes and they bang about God in a fashion that he is angry and that he is unjust and that he is mean and that he is intolerable and he is grumpy and there's nothing further from the truth it's as if they didn't read Genesis 1 and 2 and understand that when God created man that he created them in pleasure he created them in communion and in love That they miss the original heart of God and all they can see is through the lens of sin and the mistake of man. But they can't look past that and see through the lens of the cross that redeems and resets mankind into the favor of God again. And one of the ways that Jesus, and we know Jesus is the truth, and how he makes us free as the truth is by restoring us and restoring that relationship. It's a wonderful thing. When we understand and begin to know the joy of the Father and the pleasure of the Father upon us. I ask you a question right now. When's the last time you felt the joy and the pleasure of Father God smiling down on you? I hope that it was today. I hope that maybe through worship you gathered that. You gathered that pleasure because that is how he feels about you. Well, Pastor, you don't know the mistakes I've made. You don't know the things that I've, I've done, the, what, what kind of person I've been. And I want to tell you that in Jesus, it, it doesn't matter. Because there's not one person here that can line up and give me a rap sheet of all the junk and all the, the messiness in their life. And I'm not going to look back at them and say, Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. He must be greater. He is greater because he is the truth. He is the Alpha he is the beginning. He renames us. How does the truth of Jesus set us free? He restores us. He renames us. This is a conversation again that Jesus was having with these Jews. That's so powerful. And he's saying, you're slaves. You're like your father, the devil. They're, they're, going, they're, coming, they're picking up stones at this point, guys. Read the Bible. They're like, Jesus said, go get your stones. I know you're mad. I just said your father, your, your father is the devil. You're slaves to sin. Why? Because when we come into Jesus Christ, not only does He restore us, but He renames us. How does He rename us? He calls us sons and daughters, doesn't He? He calls us sons and daughters. He puts upon us the full access and the blessing of the Father. He puts it upon us and He creates His identity in us. No longer are we bound to the identity of a sinful nature. Let me say this to you guys too. Some of you go, look, Pastor, there are things that have been passed down in my family. There have been things that have just chased my, my daddy did it, my granddad did it, my great grand as far back as I know. It's on our tombstones. 
This is what we've been about. And I don't know how to shake it and how to get free from it. And I want to tell you this morning, if you feel stuck in that place, there's a freedom for you. And it comes from understanding or by understanding the truth of who Jesus is. Because he who is able to go and reset your life and bring you under the grace of his sacrifice and put you before the Father is also the one who renames you. And what that renaming does, being called a son or a daughter of God, gives us the ability to look at God and receive from Him in the deepest, most intimate way the blessing of the Father that maybe was missed. Was maybe missed. Somebody wanted to sing with me just then. That's cool. I got to tune me up. Is that my cue to leave? I mean, guys, come on. Just be gentle. You can just wave. But it puts us under the identity of the Father. It puts us in the blessing of the Father. And this is what Jesus did. And Jesus was bringing the, those who he was talking to, the Jews that day, he's bringing them to this point and saying, listen, you don't have to be slaves. You can be sons. But you have to trust in me. You have to come to the truth that can only be found in me. And then he resurrects. He resurrects. I talked about this earlier. He resurrects. This is the most supernatural part, miraculous part about the truth of Jesus. Because he takes those areas that were dead in our life. The things that we thought could not ever be redeemed, could not ever be turned into a purpose, could not ever be. Let me just be, let me just be blunt for a second. Some of you here in this room have suffered under a lie of the enemy that you believe you're dumb. That you can't learn. Some of you in this room have suffered under the lie of the enemy that said that you are worthless. That you won't amount to anything you've been told that. Maybe somebody spoke that to you, a a parent or a person somewhere down the line. And it's stung and it's sat in your heart and it's marked you. Some of you here in this room believe that you're ugly. You're ugly physically on the outside and you're ugly on the inside. You say, well, Pastor, why why are you doing this? Why are you being so personal right now? Because all of those things have served to destroy the purpose and the name that God has created you with. And what God wants to do, what God wants to do, what the Father wants to do, is He wants to restore those areas of your life that you thought could not ever ever be made whole again and it only comes to the truth of who Jesus is because he wants to go right to the very beginning right to the place where that happened right to the place where that pain was inflicted and he wants to touch it by his grace and bring about healing and in that place of grace here's what takes place is that there is a kiss of identity that marks your life where God says I want you to look in my face And there are times, I've said this before, there are times when my kids go off the rails, when they are going berserk, and they can't like manage, like they can't walk in a straight line. I have to grab them by the face. My wife or I grab them by the face and we say, look, look right here. I want you to listen to your dad. I want you to listen to your mom. This is who you are. This is who you are. And it resets them and it brings healing and it brings a balance back to them. And this is what the Father does. This is what He longs to do. He wants to grab you. He wants to hold you. He wants to heal you. And He wants to rename and restore 
those areas in your life that have been dead, have been banged up, have been caught up under the lie of the enemy. He wants you to be free. He is the truth. He is able to do it. Listen, I want to tell you something. I grew up. I grew up. And, and this, is, this is who God is. Justin, come on up, man. This is who God is. When I was in third grade, I was labeled dumb because I couldn't speak. I couldn't say my words and my syllables correctly together. If you were to, this is so funny to me. It's funny because this is like God going, what's up, devil? I'm going to punch you, right? Because I couldn't say my CHs together. I couldn't. I would say it and I'd be like, I couldn't do it. I mean, what words begin with CH? Church? <laughs> what do you do? I'm a church pastor. I'm a, you know, I couldn't do it. And so I got called out of my class. That wasn't when they were nice in school. They were like, Andy Zink, please come to the special class right now. I mean, no joke. It would be that. And I would do like the little walk of shame out of there. And I felt dumb. And I would go and just sit in there. And I just I felt, I was like, God. And I, I couldn't read out loud. I didn't want to be in front of people. I didn't want to do that. If the teacher called on me to read, my voice would get shaky. You'd get nervous. It would break all the way through high school. I had this fear and I had this intimidation on me because of something that I believed about me. I had people say about me. But it wasn't until I came and I looked. Isn't it funny? Isn't it funny? I grew up in church, guys. Some of you have grown up in church. This is your thousand some odd service you've been to in the entirety of your life. But maybe you've never heard this before. Maybe you haven't come to the truth that is Jesus who's able to make you free. Because when I encountered this truth, when I encountered what Jesus was saying and said, Andy, let me reset. And by resetting, I want to tell you what, how I created you. Because those people didn't create you. And Andy, I want to tell you something else. Your mom and dad actually didn't create you. Andy, do you know who created you? I created you, Andy. I formed you and fashioned you in your mother's womb. It was by my word that you came, son. It was by my will that you came, son. You're not a mistake. You're not dumb. You're not unlovable. You're not ugly. You're not worthless. But before me, You are wonderfully and fearfully made that you are my son, that you are my daughter, that the full blessings of the Father have come upon you and the plans that I've given you, son, that if you trust me and you lean into the truth of who I am, there is not anything on this earth, above this earth, or below this earth that will stop it. How many of you feel that? How many of you feel that? You feel that weightiness and you understand that there is a need to come to the Jesus who is the truth, who is able to reset, He's able to rename, He's able to restore. This is who He is. And when we come to this place, we understand what Jesus said in John 8, 36, because if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed, because I am the truth. You're looking at Abraham. Abraham can't make you free. You're looking at your dads and saying, this is what we've always done, but your dad can't make you free. You're looking at what your friends think, but your friends can't make you free. Only I can make you free. 
What do we need to do to walk in this? There's two simple things I want to leave you with today as we close up very quick. We need to hear and we need to hold on. We need to hear and we need to hold on. This morning, even as I'm speaking, some of you are hearing the Holy Spirit speak to you. You're not hearing my words, but through the word of God, of the heart of the Father, you are hearing words of life hit you, hit you in your spirit. Jesus says further down in John 8, 47, he says, whoever belongs to God hears what God says. Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. And this is what Jesus is saying. He said, listen, when you hear, you're not hearing with your ears, you're hearing with your spirit because what's being spoken is not something that's coming out of flesh, but it's coming by the spirit. It's the word rhema. It means this, the spirit of God, the breath of God is being spoken. So when you are listening to God, when you are trying to hear God, you are not hearing with your natural ears and you're not hearing natural words. You are hearing, even if you go through the word of God or you are in a time of prayer or a time of worship or somebody even is speaking prophetically to you, you are not hearing with your ears. You are hearing with your spirit and you are hearing the words of heaven the words of God. Because in those words, that word rhema means this. It means the breath of God that is able to set you free, to establish you, to begin to put you in a place for you to receive. And so Jesus is saying this. Listen, those who hear in their spirit. So we need to make time every day to hear. We need to ask the Holy Spirit as we come to the word to hear. In our prayer time, we need to hear. The Holy Spirit longs to speak to us. And then Jesus talked about this earlier in John 8. He said, you need to hold on. Those who hold on to what I'm teaching, they hold on and they obey. Because the, when we hear, our response should always be, God, let me grab a hold of this and begin to walk by it. Let me give you this illustration this morning. Last one. How many of you here have ever done a high ropes course? You've gotten up. If you're like me, when I get to the top of anything, it's like my legs don't work. And I've done these where you're strapped in and you know you're strapped in. You got a helmet on, you got a harness on, you got, you got the rope, and you got the person on the bottom belaying you, and he's got you. He's like, I got you, don't be afraid. But yet you're still, <laughs> you're still shaking. It's like everything's moving, and you can't, you go, oh, you're going to rope. And, there's, and the, there's two ropes on the side, and you're having to scale this rope. And, and, and you go like this, inch by inch by inch, but you firmly know, you firmly know that there is nothing that will go wrong, is there? That there's no way you're going to fall or fail. The guy on the bottom is literally kind of giving you a wedgie because he's lifting you up partially. You know what I'm saying? You're walking. Come on. You guys know what I'm saying right here. But how hard, let me ask you a question. How hard are you gripping those ropes? <laughs> you're, you're gripping those ropes with all of your life. You're going, I'm not going to let go because my life depends upon it. And this is what Jesus is saying. When you hear, when God speaks, when the Holy Spirit speaks and it hits your spirit, then hold on to it as if it's your life. Don't let go. Because if God speaks, he's going to perform. Because he is the truth, who is the alpha, who is the alpha and the omega. He can start it and he will 
finish it. Amen? Amen. All right. All right. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I thank you as we have come to your word, Jesus. Ooh, you are the life. You are the light. You are the truth. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Today, I pray, Lord, for every person here that is struggling in the area where they have not known. They do not know your thoughts, God. That some folks here, God, they have not been reset. They have not been reset to the place of understanding that you are for them. That you are good. And this morning, if that's you, make your chair your altar and say, Jesus, reset my life. Reset my life so that I would know the pleasure of the Father right now. That I would know that the Father's thoughts for me are good. Some of you here today need to be renamed. Because you've been named several things. And they're hurtful things. They're things that have damaged you and created a fake, a false identity in you. If that's you, make your chair your altar and say, Jesus, only through you can I become a son or a daughter. That you desire to move me from being a slave to these things and these words. And these places of pain in my life and you desire to bring me into the knowledge of knowing the Father as Abba, as Daddy. And the identity that comes from that I receive from you, Jesus. And God, the things you need to redeem and restore in my life, do it. The places that I didn't think could bring life, could, there could ever be life at, do it. Bring life in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet, please? I want to bless you this morning as we go. I believe this, that the the love of the Father is so great that when He brings life, it is complete. It is complete. And so my encouragement for you this today is this, is it? Is as you leave, encourage somebody, love somebody, love somebody, tell them how excited you are to see them today, how much they mean to you. Encourage them with the truth about the love of the Father. Father, I pray your blessing upon every person, your great grace, the knowledge and the understanding of your love to overflow in every heart and every mind. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You're dismissed. Thank you so much.